Hey, welcome to Calvary. My name is Carter and I'm the worship and tech director here. Here at Calvary, we want this to be a place where you can come and worship, get to know God, and connect with our community. If you're new here, we can't wait to get to know you. Feel free to message us on social media or text the word hello to 587-323-1199 and we'll respond right back. This is a great first step to joining our church family. We also want you to experience daily encounters with God, discipleship, and community. If you want to learn more about our culture here, deepen your relationship with God, and find a small group that you can really connect with, we'd encourage you to talk to one of our volunteers or staff after the service. I'm so glad you could join us. I find talking with people, whatever their background, whatever their position in life, is that there is this, there is this common sense uh, inside that there is something, there is someone that is bigger than us out there. And we desire to feel, that we, we feel this propensity to connect with it. And depending upon how panicked we feel about something in our life, we actually begin to seek this thing or this person for help. Is this true in your own life? Perhaps it's one of the reasons why you're here today or you are listening online. You know, prayer is one of the ways that we seek to connect. All religions um, of some sort have a practice of prayer. I have a friend who at the beginning of our relationship had no time for God, no interest in Jesus Christ, but when a number of his friends suddenly passed away in a row, he becomes aware of his own mortality and his questions about life and, and death. And surprisingly, he finds himself beginning to pray to something out there. Well, Pastor Nathan has been spending um, considerable amount of time building relationships with a certain group of people who were also on a search. So Pastor Nathan, why don't you share with us who is this group and what does their search look like? Sure. So they're primarily from the paranormal or new age or occultic communities. Many of them are, are Wiccan or Gnostic in nature. There's a, a search for divine knowledge. Talk to us a little bit about that search. Where does it come from? So they, they, what I really admire about this community and what ties into what you were saying is that they already believe there's something more to life mm. than this. They believe that there's something beyond 
this dimension we live in, this realm we experience. So when they discover the God of the Bible through Jesus Christ, um, what is their typical response? It's interesting because a lot of them believe in God already, but they believe he's just one of many paths up the mountain, that Mm -hmm. Jesus is just one of the other people we could pray to. So when they discover God through Jesus Christ, there's this tremendous amount of peace they receive because Mm -hmm. their entire spiritual journey up until that point had been dependent upon their search, upon Mm -hmm. them being able to attain divine knowledge, upon their knowledge and understanding. Mm -hmm. And so when they discover Jesus did it all for them, paid the price. It's, it ushers in this peace like they've never experienced before. Wow. So they were praying before they met the God of the Bible. What, is their, what, what do their prayers look like after? What changes? Well, it's funny because discipleship is a very messy process. And so one of our new believers who we tease quite frequently, for the first six, seven months of her becoming a Christian, she would always start and end her prayers with dear God and universe. And we would, we'd kind of face palm, but we'd be very patient. And yeah. eventually she discovered, Oh, you know, universe is something God created and mm-hmm. is not its own being. Yeah. Thank you so much, Pastor Nathan, for sharing, you know, scripture says that it doesn't matter who we are. doesn't matter where we come from or what, what's going on in our life. God has placed eternity in the hearts of the human race. And the way I often describe it is that he has placed a space in our life, a hole in our life that can only be filled by him. We are in a series, in the midst of a series in the book of Nehemiah. You'll find it as the 16th book of the Old Testament off your table of contents in the Bible. The people in our text today have this same sense that we're talking about. The same desire to connect with someone that is outside themselves, someone greater than themselves. And their circumstances were particularly challenging in that most of them had been exiled. They'd been dragged away from their home in Judea, their homeland there, over to Babylon and the Persian Empire, what is today the country of Iraq. And our text here today is about 150 years later, where a small majority, a small minority have migrated back to Judea and the surrounding communities, and their city, Jerusalem, is in shambles. But more importantly, their community is in disarray. The first seven chapters of Nehemiah describes the historical events around the rebuilding of Jerusalem's walls. And you can check out the extra-biblical historical documents and the archaeological findings for yourself to confirm what is already in this book. And as we looked at last week, they didn't start with mowing lawn bylaws or rising interest rates when they were trying to reform community. Neither did they start with restructuring the criminal system or community and family services. They didn't start by rebuilding overpasses like they're doing on 50th Street. They started with their desire to connect, and I would say to reconnect with God. And they do it through reading the scriptures, through which God communicates to them and shows them the way to rebuild not only their lives, but also community. And they get some things right here where I think many governments around the world miss. Checking in 
with the author of life as to how he would structure community the way he's designed it. Almighty God is creator of all that there is, including us as people. And he didn't just create us and then give no direction as to how we're supposed to make life work best in this life. He gave us an owner's manual describing how life works best for us individually and also as a community. And so when we're seeking to rebuild community, the place for us to start is the Bible. Do you read it? Do you study it? Do you memorize it? Do you meditate on it? Do we live it? Now here in chapter 9, their next step is prayer. But it's not just any prayer like we may tend to do, asking God to simply overlook some of our mistakes and bail us out of our painful situation again. The unique aspect of Almighty God compared to any other religion out there is that he is a person that we can connect with in a two-way relationship. He communicates to us primarily through his word and the voice of Jesus Christ inside, and we communicate back with him through what we call prayer, the word and prayer. What a profound privilege it is to connect with our creator in these ways. Jesus connected with God Many times, God the Father, all over, um, all over the, the New Testament. You can read it through his biographies. He connected through prayer. And he often spent extended times in prayer with him. And we have some of great examples of his prayers in the New Testament. There is no spiritual growth, probably more accurately I could say Christian maturity, and no building of a community that honors God without regular and disciplined practice of studying his word and praying to God. Let's look at rebuilding community through prayer. Let's pray. God, I know that this text here that we're looking at was written some 2,500 years ago, and yet I'm fascinated by how real and tangible it is for us today here in 2023. God, may your word come alive. Holy Spirit, would you, would you shed light on it? Would you shine your light in our own hearts as to what you would like us to see? Shine your light bright enough and long enough for us to acknowledge what is there so that we can become more pure, more holy people as we seek to connect with you. I commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your sermon notes, I actually don't have a copy one here. If, if actually one of your ushers could actually bring me one. If you don't have one, if you could raise your hand, uh, we'll be referring to one of those later. Thank you. Rebuilding community through prayer starts with worship. Recounting God's goodness and his faithfulness. Let's read how they start their prayer. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 4. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shabaniah, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani, and Kenani stood on the stairwell stairway of the Levites and cried out to the Lord their God with loud voices. 
Then the leaders of the Levites, Jeshua, Cadmiel, Bani, Hashbaneah, uh, I don't think I got that one right. Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shabaniah, and Pethahiah <laughs> called out to all the people, stand up, they said, and praise the Lord your God, for he lives from everlasting to everlasting. And then they prayed, may your glorious name be praised. May it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserve them all. And the angels of heaven worship you. Notice how they start with the attributes of God. There in verse 5. Praise the Lord, your God, they said, for he lives from everlasting to everlasting. Throughout this prayer, they consistently and constantly reflect on God's nature, on his character, and as well as his works and the things that he has done to provide for them and to, and to protect them throughout their history. You see, adoration of God is absolutely central to prayer. It's the heart of prayer. And these people are in awe of the incomparable magnificence of their glorious God. It was not mere intellectual affirmation of who he is. It is a dynamic truth. It is a, something that captivates their minds. It enriches their emotions. It stirs their conscience, and it motivates their will. They didn't need to remind God of who he is, but they did need to remind themselves and acknowledge before God who he is and what he's done. Verse 17. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. Verse 19. We won't read it, but, but it, it talks about his great compassion that they were not abandoned when they rebelled and wandered in the desert. Verse 25, that their forefathers had reveled in his great goodness. Verse 27, that the compassion of God heard their cry for help and delivered them when, they, when people were attacking them. Verse 31, it was his great mercy that he didn't put an end to them. Verse 32, that God is great and mighty and awesome and he keeps his covenant of unfailing love. You see, rebuilding community starts. Rebuilding community through prayer starts with an acknowledgement of who God is. How has, how has he revealed himself to you and your history? We can read how he has revealed himself through the ages in Scripture are we processing these things ourselves? You know, in business, I'm reminded of a particular challenging contract and customer. I didn't know what to do, and I was concerned about us financially if it went south. But when I reflected back on how God had miraculously provided for Lorianne and I in our past, I was able to spend time in sincere worship even before I knew how this contract was going to turn out, whether it was going to be successful or not, I was reminding myself before God about his faithfulness to us. And it's in those moments where I choose again to trust him with our finances 
and with our future. And that produced a confidence. It produced a peace of mind that soothed, that significantly settled or reduced the growing anxiety within me. So when was the last time that you reflected on all that God has done for you? Where he revealed himself to you, where he maybe protected you, where he provided for you. Have you shared these things back with him? Have you said thank you recently to him? Or do you just glibly throw a grocery list of your wants and needs up in his direction? When you were in small group, do you take time to patiently, perhaps methodically, go through ways that God has provided, reflecting back to these things, reflecting back to him these things? You know, what about around the dinner table? Do you ever take time to tell the story of those moments you saw God in your day where you sensed his presence real and tangible? Are you teaching your kids how to look for God in the midst of their day, in the midst of their circumstances? After retelling a significant portion of God's direction and his provision for their ancestors. And in their ancestors' story, verses 8 to 15, you can go read that for yourself. They then turn from worship to confession and repentance. You see, when we take the time to meditate on God's word, we get a picture of who God really is. And because we are made in his image, there is this intuitive desire within us to reflect that image well. But what happens is when we see the greatness of God, we see how far short we fall. And God's word becomes like a mirror for us that exposes our sin. It exposes our brokenness and our arrogance, our pride, our, our self-centeredness and our disregard of him. It exposes the ways that we disobey his call. We see ourselves for who we are when we see him for who he is. And because both male and female are made in the image of God, there is this regret deep within for how far we fall short, how far we have slipped from his character and from his nature. And when we see this profound gap, it creates this desire this thirst deep within to address whatever it is that's getting in the way of our relationship with him, that for us connecting with him. And so for some of us, it may be to connect with him for the very first time. But like any breakdown in any relationship, in order things to, to make things right between the two of us, we have to go back to the fork in the road we have to go back to where the breakdown happened, where that thing that was said, that thing that was done to us or that we did to somebody else before the relationship can be reconciled, before we can move forward, 
and have the relationship restored. Isaiah 59 verse 1 says, Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen to you anymore. You see, the process that we reconcile any relationship is through confession, repentance, and receiving forgiveness. Confession simply means that we agree with the truth that what we've done is wrong. It's simply agreeing. Repentance then is like a language of apology where we not only acknowledge that what we've done is wrong, but we commit to not doing that again. It's the determination to not think that way anymore. We choose to go in the opposite direction of how we treated you in the first place. It's the determination to do life differently, to treat each other differently. And it's the same in our relationship with God. The only way we initially find our way to him, for those who have never surrendered their life to him, to Jesus Christ, and for all of us who have been following him, maybe for some time since that initial decision, the only way we can reconnect with God is through confession, uh, repentance, and receiving forgiveness. All through the pages of Scripture, you will find God's instruction to confess and repent as the way back to him. And then there's the repeated affirmation that once we do, his forgiveness is free, and it flows to us. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sin, and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, prayer is a two-way conversation between us and God. It's not a one-way conversation where all we do is endlessly beg him to meet our need or to see us through some particular challenge. Prayer is hearing him speak to us through his word or through that still small voice inside and then us responding to him. It's revelation and response. A revelation of who God is and him speaking to us and our response back to him. As an example, chapter 9 here records one of Scripture's most detailed, most responsive prayers of confession. I love it. And I want us to notice here that their confession is not a glib, oh God, forgive me if I've done anything wrong. When you've been hurt by someone in what they said or what they did, How does it feel if they simply say to you, well, I'm sorry if anything I did hurt you? It doesn't go over real well, does it? Does it feel sincere? I don't think so. It certainly doesn't to me. One of the ways that we feel a person is sincere in their confession and repentance is that they specifically identify to us what it is that they did that hurt us. And quite frankly, it's good for us, those of us repenting, to identify to ourselves so that we know what it is that we actually did to hurt the other person. It helps us own our mistakes, our sin against them. And by doing this, it enables our repentance to be more sincere. And hopefully, 
it helps us to be determined to not do that again. We need to watch out for people who love to point out everybody else's mistakes, but they rarely own their own. You know, Lorianne and I, we have a practice in our marriage that when we're apologizing, we say, I'm sorry for, and then we say what that is. And it's simply by identifying how we have hurt our spouse, it communicates that we understand and we're committed to not doing that again. So here's some examples of how specific these people are with God. Verse 16, our ancestors were proud and stubborn and they paid no attention to your command. Verse 17, they refused to obey and did not remember the miracles that you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in Egypt. And after they remind themselves before God of how he has graciously provided for them, they admit this, verse 26. But despite all this, they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets who warned them to return to you, and they committed terrible blasphemies. One more, verse 30. In your love, you were patient with them for many years. You sent your spirit who warned them through the prophets, but still they wouldn't listen. So once again, you allowed the peoples of the land to conquer them, but in your great mercy, you did not destroy them completely or abandon them forever. What a gracious and merciful God you are. You see the back and forth? Confession. God, you're so good. You are great. Confession. This is who you are, and I'm so grateful. And then they identify, they, they've been identifying what their ancestors have done. Then they identify themselves as participating in many of these same sins. Verse 33, every time you punished us, you were being just. We have sinned greatly, and you gave us only what we deserved. Once we have reflected, once, once they reflected on the nature of God, they become acutely aware of the seriousness of sin and those of their rebellious ancestors. You see, a personal encounter with God always creates a greater sensitivity to sin. God's holiness exposes our impurity. His generosity rebukes our, our greed. His faithfulness challenges our disloyalty. And his love unmasks our self-centeredness. And for those of us who struggle constantly going back to sin that we have confessed and repented, can I encourage you to get help? The book of James connects confession in community with healing. Perhaps you need to talk to your small group about the struggle that you're having. Maybe you need to join a 12-step group. Maybe you can come up for prayer after the service. Maybe take Freedom Session here at Calvary this fall, starting in September. Perhaps you need to seek out prayer ministry for healing and deliverance. Jesus Christ suffered and died so that we can be free. Let's not allow the brokenness of sin and the influence of the enemy to keep us in bondage anymore. There is forgiveness in Jesus Christ, freedom from guilt and shame and condemnation. 
For the people in Nehemiah's day, their confession and repentance was sincere. Let's read how they expressed their sorrow and their grief. This is Nehemiah chapter 9, starting in verse 1. It gives us the context to this prayer. It says, in October 31, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners as as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law of the Lord their God was read aloud to them. Then for three more hours, they confessed their sins and worshiped the Lord their God. Not exactly how we demonstrate repentance today, but sincere repentance in the Old Testament often looked like this. What does it look like in our life? How seriously are we taking our sin, our own sin? Rebuilding community. It starts with the word of God and then turns to a response in prayer. And this is why I am so thankful, so grateful for the amount of people around Calvary who are interceding for us as a church and for our community. We have entire small groups who exist primarily to provide air cover, spiritual air cover for us as a church. We have prayer teams each Sunday morning who consistently cover our weekend services and pray for each one of us. That includes you. They pray for us as we gather here in large group community like this. We have encounter prayer nights, the first and third Tuesdays of each month. Again, interceding for us as a church community, interceding for our community out there that we can represent Jesus Christ well and that the truth of Jesus would be revealed to the hearts of people. Let me say this again. It is God who has written the owner's manual for how this life works. And he says... That rebuilding community starts with reading, studying, meditating, memorizing his word, as we looked at last week, and then responding in prayer, beginning with worship, and then turning to confession and repentance. This is the path to become the community that God has designed us to become, a community that represents him well to each other, in small group, and also to the world around us. So if you don't have a relationship with God here today, your way to him is through confession, repentance, and accepting his forgiveness. So if you take out your sermon notes, on the back is, how, is a description of how you can connect with God, and you can do it here today. I just encourage you in a few moments to read this through. This is your way to God. If you've already been walking with him at some point, uh, your way back to him also is through confession, repentance, and receiving his forgiveness. So for all of us here today, I'd like to give us an opportunity to do one of two things. If you feel, if you... If you sense that space in your life that can only be filled by God, but you've never connected with him through Jesus Christ, then take these next moments 
And I would encourage you to read this through. And if you're willing here today to perhaps even pray that prayer, some words are given there for you. You could choose your own words if you want. If you are someone who has walked with God for a while, but you know that there are things in your life and your relationship with God that are not as they should be, there will be some questions up on the slide that I'm going to encourage you to work through. Let's do business with God today. It's just going to be quiet in here for a few moments after I pray, and I encourage us to do business with God. Let's pray. God, I am so thankful that you are the God of all ages. You are before time, you are outside of time, and yet you reveal yourself to us in the context of time, 2,500 years ago to these people, to Nehemiah, and here today with us. So God, through your Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Speak to us. Reveal to us where we have sinned, where our relationship with you is not right. Those who have not surrendered their life to you, who have not come to you, would you reveal this to their spirit? And would you enable us to come? Would you enable them to come to you for the very first time? I guard this time now as we do business with you. In Jesus' name, amen.